she's a busy woman. You're lucky to have her here at Coast Access Radio 104.7. You're at the table with Gail Hall. Kia ora, Gail. Kia ora. I hope everybody had a good weekend. Oh, yeah. It's We're just starting again. I know. It's just... You know, the weeks are just rolling into one. I tell I you what, know. had a couple of weeks off. I know it's been a long time since Christmas now, but that just went like <laughs> evaporated. I know. And here we are going forward to the end of January. I can't believe it. I know. And into the Aquarius month. Yeah. Oh, that's a good the month. The age Egypt. of Aquarius. <laughs> that's us. Because we're the us. best. Yeah, we're the Aquarians <laughs> here. But uh, but this um, session, Tanya, we're just going to do savouries. Last week we did all sweeties. Mm-hmm. And I thought, mm, better just throw some nice sort of savoury stuff in. And so no sweeties today. You had your input last week. So we're going to start off with beetroot. Pea and feta quiche. A quickie. A very <laughs> quickie, a quickie quiche. A quickie quiche. Yeah, quickie. Looks lovely, actually. And it it's does. got that sort of like bit of beetroot throwing through it. Now, talking about beetroot, I was mm. just talking to Tanya and I was in the supermarket running around just getting trying to get here on time. And basically, I thought, oh, brand new. What's this? And it was bread and it had beetroot. Beetroot buns, like for putting on burgers. Mm. And then I thought, beetroot bread. And then I moved along and had spinach bread. And I, whoa. And then carrot bread, all sliced. You so know. did you buy one of each? Well, um, no, I didn't really. I brought carrot. Right. Yeah, I thought that was the safest, safe to it was the safest one to yeah. start with. But isn't that interesting? I think that's really good for vegos. Oh, yeah, I think so, you know, too. Go to the bread. Well, I'll be intrigued to see how it tastes, if it's got a slightly sweet taste with the carrot yeah. or earthy with mm. the beetroot. Yeah, well, that's right. Mm. Yes, I don't like anything too earthy, you know, especially if you toast it. Why not toasted beetroot? No, not quite. Baked beetroot, mm. yes. But anyway, we're starting off with beetroot. That's what made me think about it. So now we're going to have one bunch of baby beetroot trimmed and halved. Um, quartered if they are large ones, a 300ml carton of cream, four eggs, quarter of a cup of milk, quarter of a cup of uh, grated Parmesan cheese, 100 grams of feta, a quarter of a cup of frozen peas thawed, and mint leaves too, basically for serving, you know, to make it look pretty. Now, the pastry, we've all made pastry before, but if you've got a savoury pastry in your freezer, uh, you can use that, but it's really easy to make pastry and it's always really nice. So that's one and a half cups of plain flour and 125 grams of butter chilled and chopped. It's always good to make your pastry with chilled butter. Okay, it works out better. One egg yolk and one to one and a half tablespoons of iced water. And that makes up a really nice pastry. Put it in your um, in your mixer and uh, just go for it, and it'll come in, and it'll end up going into one of those big blobby balls like we've talked about that goes thump, 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 thump in your in your mixer, and so it's all ready to go. But in the meantime, you're preheating your oven 200 degrees Celsius. Now wrap that beetroot in foil and bake 35 to 40 minutes until tender, then peel off the skins and cool. I mean, to eat beetroot just like that's actually really nice with some sort of vinaigrette, but we're not doing that today. We're actually putting it in a quiche. So, and then the pastry, uh, I've just told you, you sift, you know, the flour into a bowl, add the butter, rub in using fingertips if you want to, but you can do it all with um, with your beater and add the yolk and enough water to make a pliable dough. And very, very 
um, particular about the water too. You know, if it says one and a half tablespoons or even if you stretch it to two, that's what it really means because it will sort of like come together. Now you wrap that in plastic wrap and chill it in the uh, fridge till you're ready to need it. To, uh, that's a joke. Ready <laughs> to, to need, need it. it. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Wow, bright this morning. Now, lightly grease a 23 centimeter round flan pan uh, and roll out the pastry uh, between two sheets of baking paper until about three millimeters thick. Uh, and ease it into the pan. Now, um, do, don't forget to grease your pan because, you know, getting it out, especially a fluted one, mm. uh, believe me, I can talk from experience about trying to get a nice quiche out of a fluted pie dish. You know, it takes a bit of time because you've got to go into each groove and, uh, try and get it out with sort of a rounded type knife. So, you know, really grease it well and then you shouldn't really have any trouble with that. Okay, ease that pastry into the pan, trim, and then just chill it for 15 minutes. Now, bake blind. We know what bake blind is. You know, you actually put it into the oven um, and um, bake it blind for 15 minutes. Now, some people have got weights, and I keep saying I must buy some weights if I ever see them around um, to get some weights for um, baking blind. But I use, um, what have I used in the past? Haricot beans or something like that, like lots and they're sort of or uncooked pasta some people use oh yeah well. uncooked yeah mm. elbow macaroni that's mm. right that's what we use and you put that on a sheet and sort of just so that it doesn't actually rise so when it comes out uh remove the your weights or whatever you're using and uh just bake for a little um 10 more minutes um that sort of takes that little bit of moisture away that the paper's created um from baking it blind you know it's flat uh, they reduce the oven to 180 degrees in a jug. Whisk the cream, eggs, milk, and parmesan together and season to taste. Good old salt and pepper. Um, scatter the beetroot, feta, and peas into the case. So make sure it's all even and you're not got you know, all the beetroot in one slice. So make sure that that goes all around and it's already been chopped and pour over the egg mixture. And you're baking that for 35 to 40 minutes and um, cool in the pan. I think you can really tell when it's um, been done because you give it a little zhuzhuzh in the oven and if it wobbles, you sort of think, oh, maybe I might give it, you know, just five minutes more. And, of course, if you sit it for 10 minutes after that, it usually starts to solidify, Mm -hmm. you know. So you just got to use your judgment there. Uh, And um, you can... Take that out, cool in the pan, and serve warm uh, with scattered with um, mint leaves, yeah, just to make it look really nice. But that actually seems like it's going to have a lot of lovely flavour. And that's for you beetroot lovers, and I love beetroot. Mm. And it actually really looks nice. And um, I've, uh, I think Tanya's seen you, the illustration, and she goes, mm, that looks really mm. nice. So there's you know, our first savoury dish of the day. I love anything eggy, bacon, egg pies, quiche, crustless quiche. But so do I. Crustless quiche is a good one, yes. When you were sitting there saying, oh, everyone knows how to make pastry, you didn't see my face because (laughs) I have never, ever made pastry. My mum used to do it all the time. She made quiches all the time when I was growing up, but I've never made pastry. Well, honestly, follow this recipe, Tanya. You can't go wrong. Look, I reckon you can make this pastry. It is easy. Mm. And um, you just roll it. You can't go wrong, really. Uh, what could go wrong here? Flour, butter, chilled, 
And one egg yolk and ice water. Uh, yeah, I know. It's like four ingredients. You just have to be nice to it and rest a little bit. Yeah, that's Sit right. Yeah. nicely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. But the, and, and the trick is, though, too, once you've taken it out and it's just sort of gone in the fridge for a little bit, um, work fast. You know, don't linger. Just, you know, just like a scone, really. Once you get that mixture in, like uh, the liquid, mm. you, you, you're just getting it there and you're just putting it on the on your wooden um you know server and you're just making the scones get rid of them quick and right. same with pastry really mm. yeah I'm sure you could do that. I'm sure you're going to come in one day, Tanya, and say, guess what, Gail? I made that pastry, you see. <laughs> Don't hold your breath, but I will give it a go this year. 2022 is going to be the year. Beetroot, pea, and 20, feta quiche. 2022 is going oh, to be the no. key for the girl. Good, Good. grief. Yeah. You can find that on our Facebook page. Go to Coast Access Radio right now. And, of course, all the sweet recipes from last week are still there too. Yes. Three ways with kumara. Kumara, wow. kumara. I, this intrigued me, actually, because I thought, well, Three ways with Kumara, I, I didn't quite catch what it meant. And I thought, well, I know you can roast them, probably stuff them. Um, what else? But this uh, is, oh, Kumara chips. This is to stuff it in the toaster. I know. What? That's <laughs> what makes it interesting. <laughs> oh, and it dear. says toast it for breakfast. Simply, simply cut the Kumara lengthways. Now you can because you can go into the supermarket specifically for this because you get all shapes of kumaras, don't you? You're yeah. all shapes. Yeah. But some of them you can't really cut lengthwise. But anyway, the ones that you can get, you can pick out the ones that are sort of longer. And you cut the kumara lengthways into about two centimetre slices and pop in the oven or even the toaster or a sandwich press. And you can put those in there and until they're cooked through, Okay, so I'm not sure about the toaster, but I'd be willing to give it a try. Mm. And top with avocado, still plenty of those around, and feta, all your favourite toppings for a mood-boosting and fatigue-fighting breakfast, which we all need. That's really good for people that are, we were talking before we came into the studio about having gluten-free stuff as well. So people who can't have, you know, toast and peanut butter for breakfast. Exactly. This sounds all right. Yeah, it sounds good. And... uh, yeah, basically, I should be willing to try that and see if it turns out to be a disaster or not. But anyway, go and buy a toaster it. from the op shop. Then it doesn't matter if you stuff it. <laughs> I'll, I'll see if I can find a long kumara next time I start at the supermarket, and I'm going to have a go at this. Yeah. But the next one is um, dip it. So I thought, okay, we all like dip with you know chippies or crackers and things like that. So it says now you've got a blitz up. We talked about blitzing. We love blitzing. A cooked kumara cubes with olive oil, no quantity, so you just have to just watch that. Garlic, raw cashews and herbs. It sounds lovely. Mm. Plus a few spices of your choice. Um, Just don't go too heavy on them, but if you like spices, I'm sort of quite sort of like selective with spices because you've got to be careful how you mix them too. But I'd probably throw a spice in or something like that and serve the dip with crackers or carrot sticks for a perfect 3 p.m. Oh, that's early for a wine. 3 p.m. <laughs> or 4 p.m. Uh, pick me up. So there's another one that you can try with the, with the kumaras and, you know, uh, interesting. Now, and of course, this is what I said before, stuff it, you know, and what? I'm not being rude. I thought you were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but cheeky. Supercharged weeknight dinners with stuffed kumara. 
Now, cook the whole kumara in the oven or the microwave. Quite often, if I just want a potato, I just, you know, give it a few things with the fork or split it with a sharp knife, just dig it in, and then I put it in the microwave. And I think it says on the microwave, potato. So you can actually press that and it'll give you a potato. Or you can just cook it on high for a couple of minutes, squeeze it, and you'll know that it's ready. So if you just want that, we can do that with the kumara as well. And then cut it open and scoop out that lovely filling and uh, you could put roast chickpeas, kale, and a drizzle of tahini for a de- delicious, nutritious, and hearty meal. Or, you know, uh, I like baked beans. Maybe you could just, you know, take the kumara out and put a little few baked beans in or something like that. Uh, there's lots of choices. So, And Absolutely. that's actually, really, for me, that would be a meal. You know, yeah. it really would. With a bit of salad or something like that, some little cherry tomatoes or something to the side, mm. that is actually a meal. And I see the illustration of it, and that is a meal. I could put red kidney beans and a bit of salsa and a bit of sour cream and a little bit of smoked paprika and cheese over top and then just mm, lightly that, grill it at the Wow, end. that sounds really nice. Yeah, it sounds You're good You're wrong. Am I coming? <laughs> <laughs> Don't know whether I'll actually get into the kitchen. No, but that it. does sound nice. Yeah, it sounds yeah. lovely. So there you are. There's three ways with kumara, which really did appeal to me, and I was intrigued by it. But underneath that, and I was talking to Tanya just briefly about, I was going to give you this recipe for bang bang cauliflower. What? And I thought to myself, <laughs> bang, bang. bang, bang, cauliflower, what, what's that? Well, anyway, I read it down and then I decided, listeners, not to give it to you because apart from the fact that it's got, um, it's got uh, five uh, bird's eye chilies, uh, three chopped long red chilies, chopped garlic, chopped ginger, um, and I just thought to myself, what is that going to end up like? Rice, wine, vinegar, uh, fish sauce. And I just wow. thought, mm, that's, uh, I'm not sure whether that might appeal. I mean, of course it could do, but it just seemed like for me, that's going to be awful hot. It's going to be bang, bang, all right? It's, it's going to be bang, bang. At the other so end. I decided bang, bang cauliflower was <laughs> off the menu. So we're not doing that. We're going to lead on to something else after the break. We are. I was five and he was six We rode on horses made of sticks He wore black and I wore white He would always win the fight Bang, bang, he shot me down Bang, bang, I hit the ground Bang, bang, that awful sound Bang, bang, my baby shot me down Changed the time and I grew up I called him mine He would always laugh and say Remember when we used to play Bang, bang I shot you down Bang, bang You hit the ground Bang, bang That awful sound Bang, bang I used to shoot you down Music played and people sang Just for me to drink the drink Hey! Hey! 
That was Cher with Bang Bang on Coast Access Radio. Maybe she had a dose of the cauliflower. You're on At the Table with Gail. She's got a whole lot of really interesting savoury recipes this week. We're coming back with the gnocchi. Gnocchi, gnocchi. Yes, silver beet uh, gnocchi uh, with lemon and pea pesto. And uh, not just for the fact that it was the uh, gnocchi, um, or gnocchi as you call it, um, it was the the pea pesto that sort of appealed to me because I thought, well, you know, I'd, Quite like to make that mm. just to have with any pasta, not just yeah. you know just gnocchi. Is that how you say? Do you say gnocchi or gnocchi? As, as far as I know, the G's silent, but don't quote me on oh, it's that. It's quite like, silent. Is I don't know my okay. way to the kitchen. Okay, <laughs> I don't know my way out of the kitchen <laughs> if I get there. But uh, but anyway, I thought I thought oh, peat pesto. That's mm. actually quite nice and quite simple. That I could have that with any type pasta. So uh, that's what appealed to me. But anyway, we've got the gnocchi thrown in, but. Uh, what we're going to do is have one kilo of potatoes uh, pierced with a skewer, one bunch of silver beet stems and the veins removed, you know, sort of like um, just all you're wanting is the leaf, really, the stems, and just go up the up the stalk and just sort of take out those bits. But um, you don't need to do anything else. Just keep make sure you've just got the leaves. Uh, two-thirds of a cup of plain flour sifted, a half a cup of grated parmesan, uh, cheese plus a half a cup extra, two egg yolks, uh, 40 grams of butter, and a 250 gram of cherries, you know, halved, and uh, toasted slivered almonds uh, to serve if you want to. Um, now, we've used, we used an egg yolk in our last recipe, I think, so you might have some egg whites, you know, lying around, so you know what to do with that. Just whip up a pavlova. Um, now, the pea pesto. Uh, one cup of frozen peas thawed, a half a cup of mint leaves, a half a cup of torn basil leaves, um, and a third a cup of oil of your choice, two tablespoons of lemon juice, two teaspoons of finely grated lemon zest, and one garlic, garlic clove finely chopped. So what we're doing first is preheating the oven to 180 degrees Celsius, Bake the potatoes on a lined oven tray for one hour until tender. Blanch the silver beet for one to two minutes, and blanching it means just putting it in some boiling water for one to two minutes, and then drain it and refresh in cold water. Squeeze out the moisture as much as you can, and then finely chop. Okay, so the pea pesto, we're going to move on to that um, first. In a small um, food processor, pulse the peas, mint, basil, oil, lemon juice, zest and garlic until chopped and combined mm. and seasoned to taste. Doesn't it sound nice, that Tanya? Would smell good too. Yeah, it's just lovely. Nice and easy. Cool potatoes, then peel the skins. Now, it says push the potatoes through um, a fine sieve. Um, I don't know whether I've ever done that before, but I... I I, that's what it says to do, and I think that's obviously what they must do to make gnocchi because it 
probably has to be quite fine. I, I thought you could just mash it, but you can get those well, the ricers that you put it in. What is a ricer? It's sort of like I'm trying to put my is hands it, up to is, the microphone that you, yeah. you push it down and it makes rice-like particles. So it's not rice, but it makes it about oh. the size of rice. It's sort of like a. I've never heard of a it's ricer. A press. You open it up and you put your potato in. You go. And it goes blip, 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 blip oh, out the other side. Oh, yeah. Well, that's interesting because I thought to myself, when they said put it through a ricer, and I thought, I'll leave that out. I'll just put it through a fine sieve. But if that's what a ricer is, yeah. that's great. Otherwise, and, you um, have to sort of push it around your you sieve do. with a spatula. You, you and do. It, most of it gets slugged up. In, yeah, the and you've got to cook. Ah, that. well, there you are. A ricer, if you can find one for doing this uh, gnocchi. And then you're adding the flour silver beet, parmesan, and the yolks. And you're mixing it to a soft dough. Turn onto a lightly floured surface and divide into four. So you're dividing into Roll each one into sort of like a sausage-type thing, I would sort of imagine, or like a rope. And using a floured knife, and that obviously that's to stop it from sticking, uh, just put your knife into flour or have a, something there that you can just put your fl- um, knife into the flour every now and again. And cut into two centimetre pieces and transfer to a floured tray. And all that is to stop it from just actually sticking together or sticking to the plate. Uh, and then transfer into a large saucepan of boiling salted water. Cook gnocchi in two batches, so whatever you've made, just cook it in two batches for one to two minutes. I've never made this, so I've got really no idea, but um, it sounds you know, like it would be really nice. might be a little bit time-consuming. Um, and then when it floats, apparently, uh, that's when the gnocchi's ready to be removed and put on a lightly oiled dish or a tray. Um, melt the t- butter and sauté the tomatoes one to two minutes, add gnocchi, or gnocchi and half the pesto, because you're only doing this in two batches, so don't put all your pea pesto into that lot. You'll have none left for the next batch. So, uh, And then you're just cooking for one to two minutes, and that's basically just heating it through, and serve with sprinkle um, almonds and parmesan cheese. And it sounds, you know, really nice. Mm. And the little cherry tomatoes, I'm going to... Oh, you've got the coloured version. Oh, that looks delicious. It does look really nice. And it's uh, quite intriguing, really, to, you know, gnocchi, because you've got it mixed up with that and you're just boiling it for a couple of minutes. Yeah, it's really quick, so I believe. It's quite interesting. Always wanted to try it. And I bought a packet from the supermarket of the pre-made stuff. Oh, yes. And I left it thinking, oh, yes, for a special treat, and it went mouldy, so I never oh. got to try it. So I've never, ever had it. Don't and take any hints from my hopefully mum's co-worker. Mum, mum, can you make me some? You've got the recipe from Gail now. <laughs> well, actually, yes, mum would try this. Yeah, she yeah. would. Yeah. It would be, no, right be really good, early. and I'd be interested to hear. But um, but even so, if you're not making the gnocchi, have a go at making that pea pesto um, because, you know, just have it with a little bit of um, homemade spaghetti, you know, the the mm. stuff that you boil and, uh, you know, any of the twisted um, pasta and all that, I reckon it'd be really quite nice. You could actually just chop up a bit of deli ham or anything that you think goes mm, with um, pea to yes, go in it, make it vegetarian yes. if you wanted. Yes, and I've got mint leaves in my garden Same. and I have got basil leaves. Same. So basically two 
two things from out of the garden that really grow quite easy. And um, yeah, great. And I've still got lemons. My my theory is working. I, you know, take those <laughs> lights, those solar lights to my tree. I hope nobody thinks I'm odd. But anyway, it's working. I haven't had any lemons thrown on the ground for quite a quite a while now. The possums must be hiding in somebody else's <laughs> garden now because you've got bright spotlights on I them. I have, yeah, yeah, glow-in-the-dark ones. So that's our um, our pasta dish. And we're going to move on now to beef and spinach balls. And this is called Beet- Meatballs Reimagined. And uh, this has got um, spinach. So we've gone from silver beet to spinach. Uh, zest of a half a lemon, three garlic cloves finely diced, um, a half a cup of dry bread crumbs, 500 grams of uh, minced beef, one egg, uh, a large bunch or 50 grams of, it says flat leaf parsley, but to me parsley is parsley. So 50 grams of parsley, one teaspoon of freshly grated nutmeg uh, and a, a third of a cup of finely grated parmesan cheese. We use a lot of parmesan cheese. Plain flour for coating, uh, oil for frying and um, oil spray for baking, you know, but um, a piece, bit of oil brushed over with a pastry brush does the same sort of thing. So put a small drizzle of oil into a large frying pan over medium heat and add the spinach, the lemon zest and garlic. After a few minutes, when the spinach begins to break down and release moisture, Add the breadcrumbs to absorb those juices and continue to cook for five minutes. But I just want to button here, Tanya, and just say, I know with spinach, I tend to take the the stem off them. I just break it off the bottom because mm-hmm. that won't cook so fast. No. And sometimes it's better not to have it. So that's my opinion. Uh, remove the spinach mix from the pan and set aside in a bowl. Once it is cooled, finely chop it with a knife. In a mixing bowl, season the beef with salt and pepper, add the egg, parsley, nutmeg, parmesan cheese and the cooled and chopped spinach mixture and gently combine. Form the mixture into little, you know, little balls, 40 gram balls and roll them in the flour to coat. Now, these, you know, this sounds like they've got beautiful flavour. Preheat the oven to 125 degrees Celsius, which is actually very low, mm. and add a small oven-proof saucer of water to the back of the oven to create humidity. And that's when sometimes people put their proved bread, you know, to prove it. They put a sort of like a thing of water into the into the oven. So you're putting that in. Pour some um, oil into a deep frying pan until it's approximately or just a little bit you know of oil so you can see there and place over a medium heat and um, introduce the meatballs into that pan so they start and sizzle on contact and cook the meatballs on one side for around two minutes before rolling them over to the other side to cook for another two minutes this will form a nice sort of brown crust around the entire meatball then you're removing the meatballs from the oil and strain on paper towel. Spray a baking tray with olive oil and carefully place the meatballs in the tray. Bake in the humid oven for six minutes. I don't know whether that sort of softens them. I'm not sure, but that creates a steam in the oven when you put that dish of water mm-hmm. in the oven and it creates a humidity Stop in the them oven. Stop drying out. Well, Probably, I would say, 
or up to you, really. Yeah. You could just serve them immediately. Sounds delicious. You can find those recipes on Coast Access Radio, and you've been listening to Gail at the table with Gail. Thank you. Thanks. This program is made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand On Air.